Blog Talk Radio. I think it's probably much been a full year since I've been on, uh, on any type of airwaves. And we welcome you back. My name is Randy Zellier. Welcome to Off Top. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RandyBSB. And on the uh, line with me right now, my good buddy, um, a young man who I, you know, I'm going to sing his praise here, and he deserves every bit of it. Uh, he's, I guess, the newest member of the New York Mets Public Relations Department, and he is well, one of my favorite people in the world. I'm so happy to see the progress he's made since I met him at Rampo College quite a few years ago. Let's welcome in my good buddy, Ryan Morick. Ryan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, and thanks so much for the kind words. I owe you a whole bunch as well. I mean, you've been there for me since day one, since uh, the WRPR days when I was going to Giant Games and interviewing uh, the Chris Candies and the Derek Jeters of the world. So, you uh, you helped me big time put a foot forward in this whole thing also. So no need for to give me all the credit in the world because you deserve a hell of a lot of it as well. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And um, I, I guess the first couple things we should really start with was where I've been, uh, where we've, you know, where we're going with all this. And uh, just to give a quick explanation, uh, I'm, I'm saying what I'm about to say. I'm not saying to bash anything or anyone or anybody else like that. Uh, I just want to just keep it as real as possible. Before we jump in and do sports and have fun, have this have this talk show and do everything we do, I, I feel like I just want to give a little bit of an explanation of where I've been. Um, for those who used to follow the show heavily when Off Topic was on uh, every Thursday night, I was doing the show at Rampo College. And, you know, this is where Ryan and I actually met and became friends and um, started working together. But I'm not really involved with Rampo College anymore. And I'm not going to sit here and take shots at them or – or, uh, you know, uh, elaborate or, try, you know, try and give people ammunition or, you know, throw people underneath the rug. Uh, let's just say there was a difference of opinions and we're not just not on the same page. And so I was trying to figure out the right time and the right form and figure out the right platforms to bring the show back on and how I want to do it. Um, I don't feel like I really need to put music into the show too much besides the opening and maybe the ending. Um, but I just, you know, I want to thank Rampo College for everything that they did do for me. Um, we're not on the same page right now, but, but maybe someday we will be. 
Uh, so I think that's the best, Ryan, I think you agree with me, that's the best way of sort of handling it. Let them do what they have to do. I'll do what I have to do. It does, you don't have to always be on the same page with everything, difference of opinions, and just walk away sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you and I both, we're very thankful for Ramapol and WRPR. And I know since since we even came back on the air, I mean, we obviously had the off-air hiatus for a little while. I mean, what goes on behind the scenes, uh, I don't – I mean, you probably went into a little bit more than I did with them because you stayed there. Uh, you were still doing the show up there. I had an, I, I was only going on your show, and that was pretty much it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, let them figure out what they got to do. I mean, uh, who, who knows? Uh, you, we don't know all the details going on there. But, nonetheless, you, you said it the best. I mean, we owe them a whole lot in – our careers, the fact that we can still do this. So at the end of the day, I mean, we can't complain too much for, for what they have given us. Right. And I think that's the, that's the fair part of it. And I have no ill will. Uh, you know, it's, they have, like I said, you, they have to figure out what they're doing. We're moving forward. Uh, this show is going to be back on Thursday night. So I'm sort of just doing tonight just for the simple fact of, of if you're on the East coast, you know that we have a lot of snow tonight. So uh, or it's snowing out now, it's going to build up a little bit. But this was this was a show just so we can just go on and entertain and have a little bit of fun. And so that's what we're doing. And there's a lot to talk about, so we might as well just transition and go back into the world of sports and let that happen. And um, instead of uh, trying to figure out just one topic to talk about, let's do a couple different things. Let's look at the headlines. Our headlines are um, headline stories are brought to you by our good friends over at Level 1 Games in uh, Pompton Plains, New Jersey, on Route 23. You can go to Level 1 Games dot com right now uh and they are the all-purpose game store ryan i don't know if you've ever been into magic the gathering or pokemon or any of the card games that are out there but the very heavy competitions and drafts uh, level one games specialize in that they're there every weekend with different tournaments and they're also a retro video game store so whether it's uh nintendo atari coleco playstation uh any Sega systems, or as well as the Xboxes, they have everything there. Go to level1games.com for more information to check that out. Okay, so top headlines, Ryan. Let's jump around a little bit here before we start jumping into a little bit of baseball and, and football. Um, a little bit of a shocking news here. It's a football note here. John Har- According to NFL.com, John Harbaugh and the Ravens just agreed on a uh, contract extension. On the old show, we used to do something called uh, Something or Nothing. Uh, is this something here that the Ravens and John Harbaugh agree to a new extension? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, I think with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who's obviously a dual threat, whether you like his his quarterback play strictly, I mean, is he an atypical quarterback? No, he's not. But uh, I think that a quarterback like his, it takes a lot of getting used to for an entire offense. And, John Harbaugh really had to adjust on the fly when Flacco got hurt and then Lamar Jackson came in. Um, and I think they, hey, you know what? They finished the season 6-2, and two when their, and unfortunately they lost their last game of the season, came down to pretty much the last play of the game against the Chargers. But they, they didn't lose to a bunch of scrubs with the L.A. Chargers. You know what I mean? The, the Chargers, a lot of people were banking on them to beat the Patriots last weekend. So, I'm not surprised. This is nothing for me. I mean, I know there were rumors that, I mean, obviously the Jets kind of wanted them, but at the end of the day, this was pretty much all but expected, uh, especially with a rookie quarterback in a playoff year. 
you can't uh, obviously the Ravens should hold their head too low on, on this season. So uh, I like the move to extend John Harbaugh. No, I agree. Listen, I liked what the Ravens did this year. I, I don't think it's hard to put, turn the page on a guy who's won you championships. And I'm not just talking about Harbaugh, but I'm also talking about a Flacco. I, I liked Flacco. Um, I didn't think I didn't think he deserved that big contract right after the Super Bowl. I thought him winning the Super Bowl and that contract coming up just was a coincidental thing. He won them a Super Bowl, and now he feels like I feel like he's getting kicked to the curb. I think he deserves another opportunity somewhere. I think he'll get it. I'm not sure if Lamar Jackson is a flash in the pan or he's the answer for the Ravens. But either way, I know Flacco will get another job, but Harbaugh does deserve this extension. Nobody expected anything from the Ravens this year, and there they were. Uh, in the playoffs, the way uh, Lamar Jackson played in the in that game against the Chargers was a little alarming. Makes me feel like he's, he was not when it came to a competitive football game. You know, you're not playing the Browns, you're not playing the uh, the Bengals, you're playing a, a good Chargers team, and the Ravens couldn't move the football. So that was the part that was really really disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. So I was watching that game and I and I saw that they had like at one point they only had like negative three yards of offense at one point. So it was just like, you just have to just not sure if I could, I'm not sure if I'm buying into that, but the coach is there and I do like the coach. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. And, and you know, John Harbaugh's been, he's, he's won a Super Bowl. He's been to, he's been in the playoffs before. Like I I mean, where they benefited with a great defense, sure. But, you know what? I mean, John Harbaugh is a. If he, if he was let go, he would have been, he would have had three interviews the next day. It's not a guy yeah. that's that's very easy to get rid of. I agree with you on that. I don't think there's any disturbing. Uh, there's nothing disturbing about that part of the news. I, I'm just not there about Lamar Jackson, I'm, and we'll see how that whole thing plays out. We have a little bit mm-hmm. of time. All right, SNY and a couple other uh, sources are confirming that the New York Yankees have just finalized the trade to send Sonny Gray to the, the Reds. Um, I don't know if you heard this story, but it, it's apparently uh, this is coming from John, ha- uh, John Heyman, who of fan credit, who is obviously his, uh, you being in baseball knows his credentials, knows how he is, knows how he gets this information. He's not wrong. The Yankees are finalizing a trade of Sonny Gray to the Reds reports from John Heyman. According to Heyman, the Yankees will be getting an infield prospect shed long a draft pick, and potentially one other lesser piece from the Reds, Long is the seventh-ranked prospect in the Reds' farm system. Uh, initial reaction, is this something or nothing for the Yankees? I know this, the uh, jury was out on whether Sonny Gray was really a, a New York-style uh, pitcher. You know the Yankees better than anybody, Ryan. What about it? Yeah, I, I may be in the Mets front office, but uh, I still hold, uh, I still have my Yankee card. And no, this is uh, with this, this is no inside information on my end with uh, any team in MLB, even when we talk Mets later on. But just want to uh, <laughs> all, all getting aside though. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was surprised to see Sonny Gray struggle so much last year because he's been in a situation before when, when he was with Oakland, he went toe to toe with Justin Verlander in the playoffs, his rookie year. He finished in third place in Cy Young voting that year, his rookie year. And I, I'm looking at his splits. Now he had an ERA last year of over six in the Bronx and on the road, it was a three, one, seven. So I don't know if Yankees, if the Yankee media, if the Bronx, New York media got to him or if he just couldn't find it, no one will ever know. But, 
uh, Sonny Gray, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of a, a sad story. He was supposed to be this, this young stud of an arm to come up and never really blow anyone by, but he always had the junk, and he was a ground ball pitcher. He is a ground ball pitcher, uh, except when he plays in the Bronx, but uh, most people are usually home run uh, pitchers in the Bronx because it's Yankee Stadium. But at the end of the day, when your general manager, and Brian Cashman, says he can't play in New York, uh, you bet that they're going to try to find something for him. And sure enough, they did. I like what Cincinnati has done all all season long, and I'm sure we'll touch on that later. But uh, this was – I don't think it was a move that the Yankees had to make. I think Sonny Gray is fixable because he's shown that he can pitch. But you can't have such ill words about a player and then keep him because that's just bad news for everyone in the organization. The thing is, I actually – I saw Sonny Gray, you know, you know me, I'm not a avid baseball watcher. I, I follow baseball more in the, in the, you know, the, the standings and the news wires than I do about watching the game. Cause it's hard. And I know you're a baseball fanatic, but for me, you know me, the NBA is my first love. I can sit there and watch any game in the NBA and be able to pick it apart within two minutes. Uh, NFL, I've gotten much better with it over time. I, I have to just really dissect baseball more. I think the thing with the Yankees right now, and I'm not, pointing out the Sonny Gray story. I'm going to go a little further just with the Yankees. I, what I'm not understanding is there's all this talk about Manny Machado and uh, Bryce Harper. We're, we'll, we'll dive into this in a minute or two with uh, MLB Hot Stove with you. But with the Yankees, the Yankees lost to the Red Sox because they didn't have enough pitching. They're pitching they're, they have hitting. They have Stanton. They have Sanchez. They have Judge. You know, they have guys who can hit the ball out of the park, but they just didn't have the starting pitching. And they, they, they depleted their bullpen during the regular season. So why are they putting the focus on more bats? That's the, my, my question. And now you're trading away Sonny Gray. So what are you really doing? I know they're, they've been building up their build, the bullpen over the last couple of weeks. Ryan, I just, I'm not fully understanding it. And then, uh, and then, and then we'll jump into your match. I just want to get your final opinion on the Yankees in that situation. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, make, you make a good point about the starting pitching, but at, at the end of the day, I mean, let's go back to that American League Division Series against the Sox. The Yankees still won in Boston. They come back home with a 1-1 series tie. And you remember from last year how insane Yankee State – the Yankees didn't lose a home game last year in the playoffs. They went – four and one in elimination games. And the one that they lost was game seven against the Astros in the championship series to go on to the world series. So right. aside from the point, let's go back to that Red Sox here. You've got your ace, Luis Severino on the mound. This guy before the all-star break, he was before Jacob DeGrom obviously won the Cy Young with an historic season. People were saying that Severino was the guy in New York. He obviously did not have a great second half, but at the end of the day, when your ace, gives up however many honor, uh, earned runs in this, I think it was the span of two innings. I mean, the Yankees lost 16-1 to one in that game three. It was a lack of offense and it was a lack of pitching. Austin Romine had to pitch in the, in the top of the ninth inning. So uh, I've always said that the Yankees can win with their pitching staff because I never thought that the Red Sox pitching staff was all that great. But in that same breath, David Price really turned it around in the championship series and the World Series. Nathan Avaldi reinvented himself and earned himself 
a four-year contract with the Red Sox to get re-signed. So, um, hey, at the end of the day, the Yankees are offense, offense, offense. Over the last few years or so, they really have shied away from pitching. It's been a need that they have needed, obviously, for a long time. And they did address it this offseason, but the Yankees' mantra is we are going to be guys with the home run. Do I like it? No. Uh, there's only been one team in the last 35 years or so that has led the league in home runs and won the World Series, and that was, ironically enough, the 2009 Yankees. Um, I'm not a fan of the all-or-nothing at this point. I think it can win your games in the regular season, but when you are facing guys like David Price and Chris Sale and, hopefully, and Justin Verlander and hopefully in the World Series, Clayton Kershaw in the World Series, those guys don't miss that much, and the home run reliance is not going to work out over uh, the long term, especially in October. Okay, and let's talk, uh, let's talk about your, your Metropolitans real quick. It's, it's something that's really interesting to me is your general manager is a former agent, and I think it's a trend that's now taking over sports because that's what the Lakers did as well. What do you think about the moves that the Mets have made? What do you think still has to get done to be competing in the NL race to be the representative for the World Series? Yeah, I'm going to sound like a company man here, but you know, I, I love what they did. Uh, I know that the hiring of Brody was a big question mark amongst a lot of people. Um, I understand in the same breath that Mets fans are just going to be, and rightfully so, I mean, the New York Mets fans have not had much of a reason to cheer about over uh, the last few years, aside from a World Series appearance in 2015. But at the end of the day, this roster that they have put together, the, the Mets have found their three, four, and five hitters in this offseason. They acquired one of the best closers in the game, and th- th- their lineup has really boosted up. And all they've added to their payroll was just $10 million with, uh, with a much better – with, with a much better lineup. And you know what? We saw Zach Wheeler really find himself last year in the second half. Jacob DeGrom, Cy Young Award winner. If Nagard and Zach Wheeler can both give you 30 starts, and, hey, even if Stephen Mass can give you 25 to 30 starts, yeah, Jason Vargas is not going to be that guy that you really want to see every fifth day. But those four other guys, they're all capable of putting up great numbers in every single start that they have. And, on top of that, I think that this Mets lineup is, is really, really deep. Do I look at their starting lineup and does it scream out World Series to, to me? No, it doesn't. But you have a 36-year-old Robinson Cano who missed half the season with the suspension. You have a 34-year-old Jed Lowry. You're going to be plugging in a 32-year-old Todd Frazier. These guys, their legs are starting to – every one of them has in common 30-plus. And you have the Conforto, you have the Nimmo, who are both who are both under 26 years old. But these guys are going to need breaks. But that, but that's exactly what Brody did. He got a lot of depth to help out this ball club. And hey, like you mentioned with Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, the Phillies are the favor the favorite to get both of those guys. But at the end of the day, when you have the best pitching staff in baseball, you have an opportunity to win a ball game. No, I agree. And the funny thing is, too, we, we as fans, and this is the fan part of me talking, not the, the sports guy, but the fan, you want to know that your team is competitive. 
and for the Mets' perspective, and I'll ask you a very fair question. You you were in the ticket office last year, and now you're moving over to the PR side of it. From the ticket perspective for the Mets, how hard was it to sell a fan base on a team that was really struggling? How difficult was it to yeah, get people it, through the front door at that point? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't fun. You can I, fans were always telling me like. Uh, uh, we're miserable. Like we can't stand the losing anymore. I'm like, hey man, I feel your pain probably ten times harder, considering the fact that I get paid commission based of based off of the sales that I make. And at this point, it's it's not much. I mean, yeah, sales is sales. <laughs> sales. You, you you can hit a, you can hit a, you can hit a hot streak, but it, it was four wide. It was tough, and it's because we did not have a very good product on the field last year, and winning is going to bring people to the ballpark. The July, August, and September of the last three, two seasons for the Mets have not been too hot, but uh, I know that this season, uh, I, I really think the ticket guys are, I think they're going to be a little bit better this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you too. And I think both New York teams will be competitive and that's what you have to ask for through, when you get into that all-star break. Like, for me, the casual sports fan, or not for the casual sports fan, but for me, for what I do, is I'm one of those guys where, obviously, I don't really start focusing on the NBA too much until Christmas because that's the unofficial start of the season. Obviously, I'm, I'm around the Giants a lot. So, for me, I'm covering the Giants throughout pretty much from July all the way through the end of the season. The last couple of years, it's been right to the end of December. And for me, I'll, then from there, I'll jump into the NBA, and then when the NBA is done in June – then I'll start paying attention to Major League Baseball a little bit. I'm not too worried about what's going on in April, in uh, you know March, April, May, and even the first part of June because at the end of the day, let's be let's face it, the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yep. So I think it's you know you never want to say this one game in April is going to you know be the thing that determines the whole season for the Mets or the Yankees. So I'll catch up as we're going along. Um, all right, let's shift gears for a few minutes here. Let's jump into the NFL. Uh, we have two championship games tomorrow. If, and if you want, we can jump into the Giants a little bit too while we're here because I know you, somebody on this phone line is very oh opinionated about Eli Manning. And I think we should get – you know, let's get this out of the way. Let's get this out of the way. Remember, I've been around – I was around this team – for four months, five months, I pretty much saw practices and I've seen, uh, I've seen games and I'm not against the idea of replacing Eli Manning, but you have to sell me on who, and you yep. have to tell me because I battled people on Twitter all football season, all football season long, Ryan on, I had people tell me, Oh, Eli's trash. I said, okay, I'll fight with you and I'll argue with you on it, but you just have to make sure you back up your points. Now, if you just tell me that Eli's trash for the sake of telling me that Eli's trash, I'm not going to listen. Right. <laughs> but, but I know, you know, Ryan Stern, who's uh, back sports page, uh, has told me in the past that you've been very vocal, and I saw you on Facebook a bunch of times, very vocal about Eli Manning. So I'll let you, before I jump in, talk to me. What's, um, what's the deal with Eli Manning for you? Yeah, no, my whole thing, hey, he's not the problem. He's just not the solution. And, hey, if he had more time to throw the football, 
maybe the Giants do win a couple of more games. It's not even the fact that Eli can't play. I mean, look, it's no – see, I, I think that if you really think that the Giants can win a Super Bowl with Eli as a quarterback, if they got this, that, and the other thing, I think you are just uh, – I, I think you're a very optimistic. Uh, hey, at the end of the day, I thank Eli for those two rings, and I love Saquon Barkley. Don't get me wrong, but – I think when you have an opportunity to get one of five first-round quarterbacks, I think that's an opportunity that you'd really need to take advantage of. I really like what I saw from Sam Donald this year. Josh Rosen is still a question mark, obviously, but let's see what he could do with a bit better weapons. Uh, Josh Allen, same scenario, but he also played uh, pretty well. My whole thing, uh, hey, do I, do I take it a little bit further on Eli than I should? Yes, I do, because the quarterback is the easiest position to blame in all sports. But in, but I'll also say simultaneously that I will die on the hill that the Giants made a mistake uh, drafting Saquon Barkley. And I know that might sound crazy to some people because of how amazing he is. But uh, and people mistake that for me saying that you don't need a run game to win football games and win a championship. You, can, you need a run game, but let's take a look at the playoffs right now. C.J. Anderson has just gone three straight games with 100 yards. The Chiefs are down to their third and fourth string running backs, and they're putting up insane numbers. Yeah, you need a nice running game. You can't have a one-dimensional offense, especially with a 38-year-old depleted Eli Manning behind a horrible offensive line. And on top of that, your defense really can't stop a nosebleed. But but I, I just think that you need to take a look at what is the most important position in the sport, and it's a quarterback. And, hey, I wasn't asking for the Giants to draft Sam Darnold to win more football games. I wanted the Giants to draft Sam Darnold because they don't have a future quarterback on their roster. And I think that's a problem when you've played in one playoff game over the last seven years, and now he's 38 years old heading into a contract year. So, again, I can be unfair on Eli. I'll openly admit that. But it's very hard to look at a team, pick a running back with a second pick, and all I hear is, oh, he's the next Barry Sanders. He's the next Eric Dickerson. Well, hey, you know what? Those two guys, they didn't have Super Bowls. And I'm going to take a wild guess why. They never really had a great quarterback. I also hear the Marshall Falk comparisons all the time. Marshall Falk has a Super Bowl. Guess what year that was? The same year Kurt Warner won MVP. So the running back, it, it's not, it, I never thought that you should waste that on a second overall pick. And, hey, look at the Cowboys. They picked Zeke fourth. They can't get past the divisional round. Nothing's changed for them in the last 25 years. So that, that, that's my whole feeling. Who do I want them to draft? I, I like that this is me. This, I'm no college football expert. But I think at this point, you either draft Haskins or you go into next year, sign a guy. I don't like signing a guy for one year because you got Tua and Fromm in the next year. But I think they just need – they need a direction because they can't win games. That's it. No, I'm not arguing that point at all either. But here's – okay, so I'm going to give you the other side of it too. Again – if you're going to replace him, you got to tell me with who. I'm not liking what I'm seeing on the free agent market. I, everybody and their sister saying Teddy Bridgewater. 
You know as much as I do. The Saints win a Super Bowl this year. Drew Brees is walking off into the sunset, and guess who's taking that team? It's Bridgewater. Because the Saints will not let him go. Now, I want to throw another part of that out there, because, again, free agency, there's nothing really there, and there's also not much – there's really not much in the draft to go with. My solution is, look, Eli Manning had I, – I don't want to throw out a number and it being wrong that people correcting me on Twitter, which, by the way, you can follow me at Randy BSP. Uh, I think you know, he's had I – I know he had three or four 300-yard passing games, and that's with a bad offensive line. There was, there was times where he looked absolutely brutal. No one is denying that. But towards the end of the year, especially after the bye week, that team, that offensive line looked a lot better. They played a lot better. I think the, the addition to Jamin Brown, who, who I'm not sure if the Giants are going to be able to retain his services, when Jamin Brown joined that offensive line, that team, that offensive line looked better. The defense, mm-hmm. obviously, after you move uh, Damon Harrison and uh, Eli Apple, uh, I never thought I would use the you know, words addition by subtraction, but when you moved Eli Apple, it just seemed like a lot of, this, a lot of this, the problems on the defensive side as far as morale is concerned seemed to uh, go away. Now, obviously, when you lose someone like Damon Harrison, a, a, a Pro Bowl uh, rush stopper like that, you're going to feel the effects of that, you know, <laughs> and yeah. they did. They had a very hard time stopping the run during the second half of the year as well as they played. Obviously, in the first half of the season, there was, I think, about – I think you'll agree with me about three games that they, that they had that were there. They had that Jacksonville game. They had that Carolina game. And then the second half of the year, they had that Philly game. So you're looking at three games right there, add that onto the five wins they had their, their – Eight and eight. So th- then you look at the two Cowboys. You know they had the Cowboys game at the end of the year, which they should have had. So that's that's now nine and seven. It, it's little things here and there they have to tighten up. Like you just said, Eli Manning wasn't the problem. It's not exactly the solution either. And you start making this conversation about whether you should have Eli Manning. They also have the Odell Beckham uh, haters out there who feel that Odell Beckham, that the Giants have buyer's remorse with him. So it's, it's, a, it's a very, very wide conversation. And obviously the reports came out, and I wanted to email to you, and I forgot to do it. So I apologize, and I'm saying it on air. I should have uh, emailed you the transcript of Gettleman's uh, postseason news conference when he addressed the media. And he openly said that he and Eli Manning had a no-holds-barred type of conversation about next season. Now, if you want my opinion, this is what I think they should do. Giants fans will jump down my throat, and then we'll hop into the Jets for while I have you for another minute or two uh, before Gary A. joins us from, from the NBA show on uh, SB Nation Radio uh, to talk NBA. Um, here's my thing with what they should do with Eli Manning. Look, we all know that there's going to be an NFL work stoppage when the collective bargaining agreement expires in 2020. Um, after that season, I, I think the Giants should let, should let Eli finish out his contract for this upcoming season, and then they ex- extend them one year up until that 2020. Let's see, obviously, see how he plays next year before you extend them, obviously. But if he plays as well as he did this year, then you extend them one year, and then once you get through that lockout, then you go to solve whatever quarterback issue you have. Because you don't want to put a rookie quarterback out there 
when you have Odell Beckham Jr. in his prime, Sterling Shepard in his prime, Evan Ingram entering his prime, and a dynamic running back like Saquon Barkley. You don't want someone who's inexperienced running that huddle in that situation. Mm. So it's almost better taking a guy like Eli Manning who has that experience with all those guys who are now entering their prime and let's see who you got for this year and that in the following year. And then after that, once the lockout's over, then you make a move. Because I cannot see them avoiding a work stoppage here when the Goodell and the owners can't even be in the same room as the representatives of the Players Association. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with the with the CBA, but uh, you, you make a good point. I mean, are they going to find a plug-in quarterback to? But but yeah, I mean, at the same time, what plug-in quarterback are you going to have for a team to try to win with Odell and and uh, and Saquon? Nick Foles is not coming to the Giants. Like the Eagles are not trading him in the division. Let's get that clear. And same thing goes for Carson Wentz. I mean, and it sure sounds like Jameis Winston is going to stay with Bruce Arians and. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. So give me a quarterback out there that you can plug in for two years and try to win a game. There is none. There's no one no, you can just pick up off the street. And the best part was after that win against Washington where the Giants were totally dominant, you put Loletta in there for the, first, for the fourth quarter. He's 0 for 5 and throws a pick. And then, you know, you're, you're, when the head coach comes out and says, so what did you think of Loletta? <laughs> you know, you have to – you yeah. have to just know that he he's not the future, but Davis Webb wasn't the future either because you know I got word I'll, I'll go I'll tell you the skinny on both guys I'll give you the back story on both guys you have Kyle Laletta who I understand does the least amount of work just to get by he doesn't have the same work ethic that Davis Webb had and you know you're working with Eli Manning you have to match his intensity of practice just as much as you do everything else and and Laletta wasn't there. You know, the letter just wasn't there. And you have Alex Tanney. Okay, well, listen, Alex Tanney, to, to his credit, has, I think, every a jersey with his name on it from, with every team's color on his wall. Because that's how many teams he's played and been a backup on. Um, with Davis Webb, here's the situation with Davis Webb. Coaches want their quarterback to be cool, calm, collective and be able to make – and irrational decisions. And they've had to calm down Davis Webb so many different times because he gets too amped up. They want their quarterback school calm and collective. He was supposed to be the quarterback for the future. When they put him on the waiver wire, nobody touched him. And the Jets ended up signing him to their practice squad. And when Sam Darnold went out with injury earlier this year, you started Josh McGowan and losing badly, and Davis Webb was the backup, and still never got into the game. So explain to me that if Davis Webb was the savior and the Giants made such a big mistake of getting rid of Davis Webb, mm-hmm. how in God's green earth did he still never even touch the field for the Jets? Yeah, so exactly. It, I, it I, turns out that they weren't the answers. You're right. So... In my mind, real quick, and I know you've you got to go, and I know Gary is going to be joining us in about a minute to talk NBA. Um, I just see that all roads lead back to Eli in this situation, and I just think that that's, that's where we're going to be, and that's where the Giants fan has to really understand. 
this is where we're going and this is where it's going to be for a little while. Um, I think it's at least guaranteed for one more year. Uh, I think it should be for two. And then we wipe the hands after the lockout. That's just me. Yeah, so. we'll see. We'll see. You're, you're, you're um, right. and then, I think Eli's the starter uh, for at least next year because, again, I don't think that you can plug in. Like, hey, let's say the Broncos get rid of Case Keenum. Hey, there are rumors right now that the Cardinals might go with Kyler Murray one overall. I mean, who, who knows what's going to happen? But can you – I want. I do want – like, as much as critical as I've been of Eli – I'll challenge myself, too, to find a plug-in guy that you can put under center for the Giants for two years, and you can do, and you can do damage. You can't. No, you can't. And uh, real quick, the only notes on the Jets, um, I was really hoping that Mike McCarthy was going to be the choice for them as the head coach uh, this year. They obviously went a totally different route, and obviously they're bringing in a defensive coordinator who has a lot of – negative press around him through the years. So it's going to be very, very interesting. You mentioned Darnold before as being a guy who, you know, who could be the quarterback of the future. I never want to put stock into rookie quarterbacks because you never know what year two and year three, year four is going to bring. So I'm, the journey's out. I always say the second year is the year you really figure out what a quarterback can do in this league. Yes, this was a very good year for rookie quarterbacks. You had Darnold. You had Allen. You had Rosen. Um, you had uh, you know, Baker Mayfield. You had some great rookie quarterbacks this year, but let's take a look to see what happens in year two and in year three because that's when you're yeah. going to find out what they really are. Let's, let's not – It's I call it the old um, – let's just – I always call it the – we've never seen you before. And now that we've seen you and what you can do, now we can really start seeing what you are. We can start preparing for you. And then let's see how good you really are. Yeah, exactly. And, and Hey, who knows? Big, I love Baker Mayfield, but Hey, I mean, at the end of the day, he is five eleven. He does, he does have trouble holding on to the football. And we can say the same thing with Kyler Murray soon also, because he's like five, eight and going into the league. So who knows? Sophomore slumps might happen. I mean, I'm sure we can. I'm sure that we can go out there and look at guys who had good rookie years and then and then eventually faltered. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Dave, what Dave, Dave Goldman has been preaching since April that they don't want to be in quarterback hell, and there are a million ways to get there. There's only one way to avoid it, and that's picking the right guy. Yeah, and before we let you go, Ryan, because I know you got to hop off. Um, Let's make a prediction. Oh, through the early, 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 early prediction. Wins for both uh, New York teams for next season. It'll start with the Jets. Go ahead. The Jets, they're going to make a lot of moves. Two guys that are on my list for them. I like Golden Tate. I like Jameson Crowder, who are both free agents. Le'Veon Bell is obviously out there. I know this might be a stretch, but and this is a totally different conversation, but Kareem Hunt is out there, and I'm willing to bet that he might be a little bit cheaper than Le'Veon, given his uh, status. With the Jets, with all that being said, I like the Adam Gase hire. I think he's literally a total opposite of Todd Bowles. So with that being said, how can you hate Todd Bowles and hate Adam Gase when they're literally polar opposites of head coaches? 
With that being said, given that we don't know what the Jets roster is going to look like, it's going to look completely different. I think 9-7 and seven is a safe bet. But, hey, come the open to free agency, that prediction can be a, a, a lot different. I mean, I said the same thing about the Giants when they, had, when they spent $200 million on their defense. I said 9-7, and seven, they went 11-5. and five. So, uh, the Jets have a – this is the most important offseason for them in my lifetime. Okay, and for me, I look at the Jets as, like you just said, it's an opportunity for them to finally rebuild and, and move forward in the positive direction. I think it's one step at a time. I think they go anywhere between six to eight wins, and I think that's, a, I think that's being generous in that sense. Yeah, for now, obviously. Okay, for the Giants, for me, obviously I'm around the team a little bit more. I'll start off with the Giants. I think, I think this is going to be the most interesting team and the team that's going to have the most eyes on them going forward. So I'm going to look at them between uh, anywhere between eight, eight, and two, eight to 11 wins. I think that's fair. We'll see. I think they're going to – I don't know what their cap is looking like, um, but I do think that they have to do something with the defense. They're not going to let this offseason go and not touch the defense. I'm, again, I'm not sure how much better that they can make it. And, hey, you're right. Once they added Jamin Brown, their offense uh, definitely improved. So, uh, we'll see. They still have dynamic, dynamic talents. But we, we've, I've been saying this for three years, Randy. The offensive line will eventually get better. The offensive line will eventually get better. It, it, finally, it looked like it finally did. Let's hope that that carries over. Um, but they do have a pretty tough schedule. They're, they are facing the AFC East, which I think is going to be an improved division, especially with the New York Jets. Um, I forgot what division they play in the NFC. Um, I want to say it's the North. So, obviously, uh, three tough teams in the Vikings, the Packers, and uh, the division-winning Bears. Um, I'll give them eight for now. I think that's that might be a bit generous, but – given what kind of moves that they're going to make, because they do need to make a lot. Um, we'll see. One last thing before we go, prediction for tomorrow, for both games. I've been saying Chiefs and Saints since forever. I w- I'm going to stick by that. Uh, New Orleans is impossible to beat at home. The Rams have – they really haven't done too, much, too many things eye-popping either. Uh, not like the Saints really have uh, as well, but – even before the regular season ended, the Rams struggled just a bit. Um, so I'm going to go the Saints there. I think they're favored by three. I'll give them the points on that too. Um, and the Chiefs, they have the MVP for a reason. And I'm not saying that the Patriots are slowing down. I just think that the Chiefs are very, very good. They're too good of a football team. Everything's clicking for them. They're, they're the only team in the league that hasn't slowed down. I mean, you look at Pat Mahomes, he hasn't had – one slowdown all year long. So those are my picks. I'm going to take Chiefs and Saints, and I'm going to pick them both with the points. I haven't made my predictions yet to anybody, so I'm going to make those uh, predictions right now. Um, I don't go points. You know me. I'm not a betting guy. I don't understand a lot of this point spread stuff. I'm never having <laughs> will. I, I, look, I look for what I see. And um, that NFC Championship game, here's the thing I, – I, Breeze has been there before. Sean Payton has done has been there before. And there's more veterans on that team that have had the experience. 
in these big spots before. And they may not have been all together, but they've had more experience on that team. The Rams are a young, exciting, talented team to watch. But I think this is a learning experience for them. I'm looking forward to seeing them move forward in the future. I just don't see this being their year. I think this is Breeze's last hurrah. And I think the Saints win going to the Super Bowl. Um, and it's going to be very, very exciting for them to watch. Now, in the AFC Championship game, the experience factor, look, the, the Patriots can play in the cold. There's no ifs, ands, buts about that. And I always say the Patriots are in it until they're not in it. And so until Andy Reid can prove to me that he can lead a team as a coach in a big spot, and then you have a first-time quarter, a rookie quarterback, or not a rookie quarterback, but a first-time quarterback really leading this team, leading this charge, I, I have to go with the Patriots until someone beats them. Yeah. When the Patriots uh, lose, then, then, then the you know, that's, a, that's another story. So I'm looking at the Saints and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Now, I could be totally wrong. It's going to end up being the Rams and the Chiefs. You know, <laughs> that, that can happen too. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like the, the one thing that's so hard to put a value on in the NFL for the playoffs is experience. And I just think that's, that's – you can't teach that. And I just don't know if the Rams and the Chiefs have enough experience, uh, guys who can lead those, te- those teams in, in, in those situations right now. So my, I'm not giving scores or anything else like that. I'm just saying it's Saints and Patriots in the, in the Super Bowl. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Right, man, thanks very much, and congratulations, buddy. I can never Thank really you. fully express how proud, I, how proud I am of you, and I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll definitely talk soon, brother. Yeah, of course. I feel like we've been playing phone tag for months, so I'm finally glad that <laughs> it, it, it's fitting that the first time I'm on the phone with you is on a show. That's all I'll say. Yeah, of course. Well, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> so, Perfect. All right, man. Well, thanks very much. We'll, we'll definitely be in contact with you, and uh, go Mets. Yes, sir. Let's go Mets. LGM. <laughs> See ya. All right, buddy. You got it. That was Ryan Morick. This portion of the show brought to you by our good friends over at Level 1 Games uh, on Route 23 South, Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Go to level1games.com right now. They're they're your all-purpose game store. They have all types of retro video games, whether it's PlayStation, Nintendo, or Xbox, or or any system, plus uh, all the card games between Magic the Gathering and Pokemon. You want it, they have it, level1games.com. Go there now. Check it out. All right, let's transfer over to the NBA, and let's welcome in the host of the NBA show, on SB Nation Radio, my good buddy Gary A. Gary, how are you? This is a little bit of a role reversal because for the last year I've been going on your show and now you're coming on my show. So it's, it's nice that I get to be the boss for once. Hey, you know what? I'm happy to be a team player, Randy. I, I'll take being <laughs> the guy riding shotgun instead of in the driver's seat any day of the week. It's a lot less pressure on me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, no, great. So you're saying all the pressure's on me now. Great. All right, fine. I'll just come through in the clutch like I usually do. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, so Gary, you know, let's, let's dive into the NBA. With Ryan, we did baseball, we did football. Um, but, you know, it's, I think it's really, really cool that um, the way the NBA season so far, I think it's been very, very surprising. And, you know, Gary, you know, I've been on your show a bunch of different times, and we've discussed a bunch of different topics. But this is the first time coming on mine, so it's the first time I really get to say this to my audience. Is I'm very I'm not surprised by some of the teams, but I always find out that first one or two months is the weaning out uh, period of what teams are for real, what teams just ended up having a hot start, and uh, what teams are, are slow starters. And 
I think the couple teams, like I feel like because um, the, when the Nets moved to Brooklyn, I just wasn't, I didn't come, I didn't go along with the team. You know what I mean? So I sort of felt like it gave me, it gave me a fresh look at the league because I don't have that horse in the race. And I'm looking around the landscape of the league this year, and. I think besides the big questions about LeBron and the Warriors and the, and the Rockets, um, you know, you, with all those different, those different stories you would talk about, I guess some of the underlining stories was, will San Antonio still be a competitor after you traded Kawhi Leonard? Um, will the Indiana Pacers and the Milwaukee Bucks uh, are they are they really contenders or pretenders? You know, so some of those underlining stories that we don't have to talk about. Are, well, the Nets since the Nets are finally out of draft picks and salary cap hell, are they actually going to be able to rebuild this team the way it's supposed to after Billy King destroyed it? You know, all these different stories that no one really really talked about are the ones that I I really got to analyze a little bit. And are there any stories right now that are really shocking to you? of things that have or have not happened in the league? Well, you know, Randy, kind of piggybacking off of what you're talking about with the early season abnormalities where you sort of separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, as you mentioned. One of the enduring outcomes from the early season anomaly has been Sacramento. You might remember in the first month or so of the season, Sacramento was winning a lot of games. Memphis came out hot. Detroit came out well. Uh, Those teams have all kind of fallen back to the pack. But Sacramento was hanging in there in a tough and decent conference playoff race. There's two games over 500 as we speak right now. They're 24 and 22. They have a young, dynamic, exciting player, De'Aaron Fox. They have a couple of other guys on their roster like Giles and Willie Cauley-Stein and a few others who are very good. Buddy Heald comes to mind, a good shooter. I mean, so they are probably the biggest positive surprise to me. I thought they would make some steps this year. I thought they would be a win one, lose two type of team, win two, lose three. But they've been hovering around and hanging around, and they're halfway through. They're only two games over 500, so they're only one long stretch away from being out of it or one good stretch away from solidifying their position. So there's certainly a lot of basketball to be played. We're about halfway through, but at the halfway mark, I think you can start drawing some reasonable conclusions about teams. And I think Sacramento is going to be a to the end type of playoff contender this year. And that does surprise me a little bit. I think Sacramento is a pleasant surprise in this league. Uh, in the league this year. I also thought the Dallas Mavericks, again, another team that started off hot and that they sort of obviously cooled down and they're dealing with their own controversy with, uh, you know, with Rick Carlisle right now. It's just, I think that, like you just said, there's those teams like Sacramento that are pleasant surprise. I think some of the other teams that we can really, really look at, and if you want, we could do the contender pretender thing like we do on your show. I have no problem doing that. Um, if that's okay with you, let's let's throw a couple teams out there. You can tell me if they're contender or pretender. You can tell me if they're going to be in the playoffs or not in the playoffs. We can we can do that. We'll do if if, if it's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. You're guiding the ship. I'm just riding along. So tell me what we're doing. Oh, listen, and I'll do I appreciate. It. 
All right. Well, I appreciate that. I'm going to give you three teams from the East, three teams from the West, because it's, it makes it a lot easier. We'll start in the Eastern Conference. Uh, we'll start with the Detroit Pistons. Are they uh, are they contenders or pretenders as far as the playoffs are concerned? The Pistons are pretenders. I mean, they've kind of gone in the tank recently. I think they're five games under 500 now in yep. a top-heavy Eastern Conference. They're, the Eastern Conference a lot of people, I've been defending it all year long. A lot of people like to call it the Eastern Conference. The truth of the matter is there are five really good teams in that conference and three teams that I think are legitimate finals contenders and maybe even title contenders. Um, so the Eastern Conference is not a bad conference by any stretch, but it's certainly not as deep as the Western Conference. And Detroit really should be contending for playoff spots five to eight and they're just not I mean they just don't have whatever it is they just don't have it they've not taken to Dwayne Casey's offense very well they started off okay but Blake Griffin has proven time and time again that he does okay as Robin but he's not a good Batman he just simply is not (laughs) a guy whose play makes differences in terms of wins and losses he puts up numbers but somehow those numbers don't translate. It's always interesting, Randy, and we've all seen these guys over the years. Some One guy will put up 20 and 10. The other guy will put up 20 and 10. They'll be on relatively similar teams talent-wise, but one guy will make his team win. The other guy won't. And it's hard to quantify that and hard to put, like, a reason to that. But Blake Griffin certainly falls into – the latter category. His team don't win, and even though he's individually productive, it doesn't translate to his team being successful when he's kind of a leading guy. So I'm going to say I don't like Detroit. I think they're a pretender. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think so either. And like you just said before, I remember when Blake Griffin came into the league, everyone was very crazy about how he was in Oklahoma um, and the way he was just able to dominate a game. There's a reason why the Clippers let him go. They, they went as far as they possibly could with him. I just don't like the talent that Detroit has. I don't think it's the right mix. Uh, they're definitely a pretender in my eyes. Next team in the, in the Eastern Conference. Again, I'm, there's no real point of me looking at, like you said, the contenders in here. We'll talk about the contenders in the East for a second in a, in a, in a minute. But I'm not looking at the Nets. I'm not looking at the Hornets. I'm not looking at the Heat. Because right now those are the teams that own the last three spots in the Eastern Conference. But I think those three teams are going to end up being there. I think the only team, in my opinion, and this is the next team we're going to talk about, is the Washington Wizards. Um, losing John Wall for the season, Bradley Beal played very, very well. I, I enjoyed watching him against the Knicks uh, the other day. Can we make a case that they're going to make it in without John Wall? Uh, no, I don't think they are. And I think this bodes well for John Wall and bodes as a serious wake-up call for the Wizards and many in the media, particularly in the Washington, D.C. media, who were calling for John Wall's head, uh, figuratively, of course, over the fact that, you know what, this team's better without him. He's a bad guy in the locker room. Him and Beal can't stand each other. Bradley Beal's a better player. And Bradley Beal's a fantastic player. And I think that him and Wall are very close in terms of who's better than who. But the bottom line is this. This team is not better without John Wall. They are not winning right now without John Wall. This is a broken franchise. Right now, whether it's with John Wall or without John Wall, their current mix of talent just simply doesn't work together effectively. They need to do something to change it up. I don't think 
it's time for a blow-up. I think they have too much talent to just give up on everything. But I think it's time for course correction. I think it's time that they go and start tinkering and tweaking, and maybe they end up trading one of the guards, or they end up trading some of their forwards. But they got to do something to shake this up. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be. I think that needs to be looked at seriously over this offseason. I don't think you should do anything right now approaching the trade deadline. I think you should pretty much play this out and really analyze where you are after the draft lottery and then kind of go from there. But I think uh, John Wall is definitely being vindicated with the way the Wizards are playing without him, which is to say they're playing the same. It's just broken, and it's not John Wall's fault. Okay, and you know, originally, uh, you know, I agree with you too. Bringing Dwight Howard in was not the right, the right mix. I just think that uh, I just think at the end of the day, it's there's sometimes you just have to press the reboot button, you have to press the reset button, and that's what Washington needs to do at this point. I was going to bring up the Orlando Magic, but I, I don't really think there's a need to because again, this is another franchise that still is just trying to figure out exactly what route they need to go. We both know that they're pretenders. So I don't really think it's really worth diving too deep. So instead of going there, I just want to go back real quick. You and I have talked on your show multiple times uh, about the Eastern Conference. In my eyes, I, I can't figure out, and, I, and you, you, you condemn me all the time when I bring up the idea of trading either Gordon Haywood or, or Kyrie Irving of, of, this, of the Celtics. But, look, this team is not the same team it was last season. They're, they're the fifth seed in the conference. This was a team that was supposed to be – you know, they were crowned kings of the Eastern Conference when LeBron James took his talents to L.A. And this team has underperformed. And I know you're trying to blend in where Kyrie fits in with uh, Jalen Brown and, and Tatum and where's Hayward in this mess and how, what's Horford's role going to be now with all these guys back around. And it's just not working. So they have to make a move because this chemistry is not working. And now they sit fifth in the conference behind the 76ers behind the Pacers, behind a uh, – I don't want to say a surging Raptors team, but and, and a Milwaukee Bucks team that is surprising anybody, everybody who's got a uh, a tie right now for the, the, the conference lead. So what is going on right now with the Boston Celtics? Well, you know, Randy, I, I think that they do – I agree with you that I think they need to make a trade. Um, I think that there's too many quality players – for not enough rotation spots and minutes. Um, the guy I would probably trade would be Jalen Brown. Um, I would move him, and maybe you'd have to package him with someone, and I would get a forward, like a front court player, someone of the Derek Favors or someone like that type of you know, someone of that nature to kind of shore up that front line alongside Al Horford and Aaron Baines. And maybe that second piece you package is Marcus Morris, or something along those lines. But I will say this in the Celtics' defense right now. The win they had a few days ago against Toronto with Kyrie hitting that big shot, that was huge. And if I'm boss, that win puts pause on any type of significant roster moves I might have had in the works, at least for the next week or so. Because those are the type of moments and wins against teams that you know you're competing against and you know this better than anyone, those are the type of wins that often transform seasons and send you on a 10 out of 12 or 15 out of 17 type of streak. 
And if they go on a streak like that right before the All-Star game or into the All-Star game and out on the other side of it, all of a sudden what they've done in these first 40-whatever games becomes a footnote on the season and not the storyline. So right now, because of that win and the drama of it, if I'm Boston, I am pushing pause for a week to two weeks on whatever moves I was planning on making. Play out another five or seven games and see what we do. If they don't go on a crazy tear, then yes, I agree. And I've been saying all season, from what I've seen so far, is a lot like what you said, they need to do something with the roster. I think they need an addition by subtraction type of move. Um, I would not be giving up Gordon Hayward or Kyrie Irving. Those are the two guys I want to keep. I would probably move Jalen Brown. He's the one who struggled the most with the uh, more crowded rotation. So, but I would wait the two weeks now because of what happened in Toronto just a few nights ago. Okay, and, and I'm, I just think something has to happen. Um, I'm still not sold on the Indiana Pacers. I still think they're a team. You know how we look at the Portland Trailblazers like, okay, wow, they're playing well enough to be in that third spot. But I feel like this Indiana Pacers team has a lot of broken a lot of broken pieces, and they're just playing in that us versus them mentality, and that's just the way I look at them. And I, I don't see. I know they were a hair away from beating the Cleveland Cavaliers and advancing to round two last year, but I just I'm not buying into it. Well, I tell <laughs> you, it, it depends what you're asking me to buy with the Pacers. I mean, if we're talking. Uh, they're not a title contender. We understand that. They're not a conference title contender. But if you're telling right. me, like, yeah, if you're telling yeah, me, a I, dangerous, I, I see what you're. The dangerous yeah, team that can me, make, right, 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 disrupt right. things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if we're talking about a team that can win in the playoffs, a series or so, then. I do buy the Pacers, uh, provided that they're healthy. The, the problem for Indiana is they don't have the depth of scoring options to withstand really any significant injuries. If they lose any of their key guys, Oladipo, uh, Sabonis, any of them, they're in a lot of trouble. Um, if they can be healthy – at the right time, a.k.a. playoff time, and they get a matchup that favors them, I think they can win this series. Like, I think they could, well, certainly they could beat any of the lower-seeded teams if they had that opportunity to match up with them. They probably won't because they're going to be a big seed at best themselves. So they're probably going to end up playing a Boston or a Philadelphia. And i got to tell you something. If they play Philadelphia in the first round, The one thing about Indiana, that is a very mature, very composed team that plays with aggression and execution on both sides of the ball on a nightly basis. They're well coached by Nate McMillan, and they're a bunch of really mature, competitive ballplayers. Philly is the exact opposite. They're immensely talented, but they're young. Brett Brown is still, in my opinion, unproven as a coach in terms of coaching teams with expectation. I think he did a good job bringing this team along during the process years, but I think he's unproven to this point. He's an unknown 
coaching teams with expectation that this is his first full year of having expectations coming into the season. And that team does not play with great discipline. They get a little bit emotional and they tend to be up and down in terms of not only game to game, but also possession to possession. That does not favor them against a team like Indiana that does play with so much competitiveness one game after the next. And to me, I think the Pacers would give Philadelphia a hard first series and could even beat them. That would be the matchup I think Indiana could find themselves winning a playoff series. But uh, they, they certainly are flawed and have talent deficiencies that will preclude them from going much further. I, I can't disagree too much with what you're saying there. Again, Indiana can be real. Uh, listen, I can say this. We're not, a, we're not at an FM station and we're not a uh, – FCC-regulated show. Indiana can be shitsters in this situation. Um, <laughs> okay, and then obviously the battles between Milwaukee and Toronto are, are, are relevant. You are not irrelevant, but you know are very relevant. You and I have had the conversation about Kawhi and uh, and Giannis about how good how good both guys are, how they're both the MVPs of their team. And you know I've re- I'm very happy with the way Kyrie's playing. I know you and I got into a little disagreement on your on your national show this week about Kawhi Leonard on how I feel if he's 100% healthy that you can make a case for him for Defensive Player of the Year. You didn't agree with me, and that's okay, even though I'm right. Uh, and right now I can say that I'm right because it's my show. So and that's fine. All right, I'm, totally, I'm totally okay with that. Let's, let, listen, let's jump over to the Western Conference. Uh, no, more, no more just announcing that I'm right because we know that I am. Um, so, <laughs> if anyone knows me, knows that I'm just kidding, and I'm not. I'm only. You know, I'm not saying that I'm right, but I'm kidding that you know how I'm just beating up on Paul Gary right now. Um, so, look, uh, without going through the whole contender pretender thing and keep going with this, I want to ask you a fair, honest question about uh, four teams in the Western Conference: okay. the Clippers, the Kings, the Timberwolves, and the Pelicans. Two of those four teams were in the playoffs last year. Obviously, right now, the Nuggets, the Lakers are, are sort of new, new to the playoff conversation this season. Are any of those remaining four teams, are those four teams, you, or is this one of those things where these four teams, like the Clippers lost, you know, we discussed teams that are having the hot start and, you know, playing above their head a little bit. The Clippers have lost five straight here. Let's let's call spade a spade without a superstar on that team. Out of those four teams, which of these four teams do you think could sneak into this Western Conference uh, playoff party, and who are they replacing? So the four teams being the Kings, the Clippers. The, the Kings, the, the, Pel- the, the Kings, Clippers, the Timberwolves, and Pelicans. And the Timberwolves. Okay. Um Jeez, that's hard because three of those four teams that you mentioned have been the most disappointing teams in the NBA to me this year. The other one would have been and had been Utah, but they've righted the ship recently. They've won a bunch of games in a row. Yeah, six, six in a row. Well. They've won six straight. Yep. Straight, so yeah. They're kind of off the schneid at the moment. Um, I would say that's a hard question because, like I said, the, three of those four teams – being uh, Minnesota, New Orleans, uh, and the Clippers, they have really disappointed me, especially New Orleans and Minnesota. I was expecting a lot more out of them. Um, 
So I don't know. I think they're too far gone mentally. I think the Kings are going to hold on. They've been they've surprised me. If you're asking me of those four teams, I think the clip. I think the Kings are going to hang on. I think they are that team this year that's playing completely with house money, completely without any kind of burden of expectation. They are playing free and open and indifferent to anything because they're a bunch of young kids who don't know any better and they have no expectation on them. And that's a good place to be in a tight playoff race because if they lose, oh, well, it was a great season. If they win, it's an even better season. So for that reason, I think the weight of expectation and the mounting weight of disappointment on those other teams is going to continue to make it harder for them as the season goes on and that weight deepens. And I think the exact opposite effect is going to occur for the Kings. So I'm going to say Sacramento of those four teams is the one that's going to hold on. Okay, but who's, but who's not going to make it? Because right now, you look at the – here's – I'm going to give you the West and I'm going to, as I'm going to give you my commentary on them as I name them. Obviously, the Warriors are the Warriors. You, you know, you win seven straight. You've got Boogie Cousins in there now. They're, they're going to be on autopilot pretty much the rest of the way. You have Denver, who's obviously surprised absolutely everybody, and they're the number two seed. Uh, and they have a three-and-a-half game lead over the Oklahoma City Thunder with a big win today against Philadelphia. Uh, I, I personally I love OKC without Carmelo Anthony after last season. I think Paul George and Russell Westbrook, I think Paul George is a step you're, – you're going to hate me for saying this, and I'm going to catch so much criticism for saying it, but it's such the truth. I think Paul George is an upgrade from, from Kevin Durant as being uh, the second guy with Russell Westbrook, and I think because Paul George is not really scared of the big stage because his years of falling short to LeBron James while playing for the Pacers – gives you a different level and uh, what it brings to Oklahoma City Thunder. Is, now, is it going to bring them a championship? Probably not. But I just think it's a different calmness that, gi- that gives OKC um, a chance to really make some noise in the playoffs this year. Uh, the fourth seed, the, the seed of Portland Trail Blazers, uh, who one of the best – I always find the Blazers to be one of the fun, most fun regular season teams and mis- most disappointing playoff teams. The San Antonio Spurs, which we were talking about before with Pop, uh, you know, this is a team that was trying to find their way, and it looks like they're starting to find it. The Houston Rockets, which I thought were overrated last year, uh, this is just bringing in Kenneth Fareed now, uh, getting for, for some front court help. Uh, the Utah Jazz, we were just discussing, six straight wins. And the Los Angeles Lakers, who were patiently waiting for LeBron James and getting ready to add Carmelo Anthony uh, to the mix over the next week or so. So that's what you have right now in the Western Conference. So who is Sacramento replacing? Well, you know what? Uh, I didn't quite uh, fully grasp the question. I got to tell you, I think they're the most likely of those four teams you gave me to make the playoffs. That said, teams in the conference are currently the ones holding down the playoff spot. I'm not going to pick Sacramento or any of those teams over the eight that are currently holding down playoff spots. I actually think the eight best teams in the conference are the ones currently holding the playoff spots. Okay, no, that's fair. Now, here's another fair question. The Lakers are not playing with – the Lakers do not have LeBron James right now. Obviously, when they have LeBron James, it changes the dynamic. Where do you yeah. think the Lakers will finish in this top eight? Obviously, right now, they're the eight seed. They're not going to stay the eight seed when LeBron James comes back. Um, I where, where do you think they're going to finish? Yes, I think they have a very good chance of toppling Portland. 
at some point. Um, Portland, you and I agree on this. They're the least impressive team to me that has a really good record right now. They're sitting in, in four, like you mentioned, over 500. Especially up front. Uh, I just don't like their team. I think the Lakers could end up passing them. I could see the Lakers finishing as high as four. I think they're going to finish somewhere between six and four when it's all said and done. I, I wouldn't surprise me if they finish fourth. Um, I think Oklahoma City, Denver, and Golden State are appreciably better than them, um, even with LeBron. Denver has to prove it in the playoffs, but I think as far as the regular season is concerned, I think they've played well enough enough into the season that and they have enough of a lead on the Lakers right now that I would not expect Denver to stay behind the Lakers at any point this season. But I, I think the Lakers could easily catch Portland. They're only is it two and a half games behind them. So I would say that they will finish as high as four and no lower than six. That, I think that's fair. That's fair. All right. So, Gary, let's really quick let everybody know where they can find you every single week. You are all over the place. You are the NBA guru. So where can people find you? Sure. Well, um, you can find me first and foremost on my weekly radio show on SB Nation Radio. Like you said at the top, Randy, I'm on Tuesdays from 8 to 10 Eastern. It's a live show, so feel free to you know participate in that. We're on 8 to 10 Eastern on SB Nation Radio, also on SBNationRadio.com for those of you not in range of an over-the-air affiliate. Um, and then we can also be found, I have a weekly NBA history column that I email out every single week. It is once a week on Sundays, 11 o'clock in the morning. You get an email from us, and it is a different topic. This week, tomorrow, coming out, is a column on the great Mark Eaton, the shot blocker extraordinaire for the Utah Jazz back in the 80s. So we're going to give you a nice synopsis of his career and why we chose him now. We'll let you read that. If you want to get a part of that, text us. You can text the word column to 31996, and that's how you get all of us. So that's where we're at. we got columns, we got shows, and uh, we're always having to do this show with Randy as well because it's always a blast to talk NBA. Listen, I always appreciate it. And, and you know, you can, you can attest on my show how often I'm on your show and how much uh, fun we usually end up having. So, anyway, oh, you know, I like always appreciate it. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm everywhere. You know, that's pretty much where I can honestly say that I am absolutely everywhere. Uh, Gary, listen, man, I appreciate you hopping on. Like I said, it's been a while since uh, it's been a while since I've been been on the air and running the show. It's it's it's, it's like riding a bike. You know, you just remember how to do it and you just roll with it from there. That's right. Well, great job as always, Randy. And I'll come on any time, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. You got it, brother. Thanks for coming on, and we'll definitely talk soon. All right, man. Have a good day. Thanks, man. All right. So, you know what? That's it. You know, that's it for me. Off Topics, first show back. Uh, we went a little bit over the hour mark here. We were about 45 minutes strong. Uh, or, or, sorry, um, almost an hour and 15 minutes strong. My thanks go out to Ryan Morick, uh, Gary A. from the NBA show. Um, it felt really good to come back. And Steve Spanup is going to be back as the co-host. We're going to be putting this thing together and making this work for you. But I just wanted to have some fun. It is snowing outside here on the East and the upper East coast here. And um, I really appreciate everyone tuning in and with the downloads for it. I didn't really do a lot of live call stuff tonight because 
I just I wanted to just talk talk with my two buddies. So uh, special thanks to my buddies over at Level One Games, uh, Emerito and Cynthia and Tim. They do a great job over there. And thank you for sponsoring the show. Again, you can check them out at uh, LevelOneGames.com. Retro video games and of course card games, or your all-purpose game store in uh, the New Jersey, North Jersey area, located on Route 23 in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. Check them out too. Go to BackSportsPage.com where all of our shows and interviews are listed. Uh, you can follow what I did all year long with the Big Blue Report with the New York Giants, and we'll be back. We'll be back probably within the next week or so for another episode of Off Topic. This was my first show back, and it felt really, really good. And I'd like to thank those two guys. We're going to do, start doing a lot more feature interviews, a lot more, a lot more feature interviews, a lot more segments, and focusing more on a one-topic type of thing. But just felt good to go to just talk some more sports. So, with that being said, we'll be back next week. My name is Randy Zellier. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RandyBSP. Otherwise, we will see you down the line. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you all soon. <laughs>